Welcome to Summon Your Superhuman. I'm your host, Ria Mestiza, holistic health coach, mind-body performance practitioner, and this is the Pull the Curtains Back insight into how everyday superheroes have experienced tapping into their superhuman potential. To go from fear, frustration, and struggle to soaring next-level astronomical heights, I believe we all have more amazing within us than we know. I believe we all have unique superpowers, and I believe we all deserve to be our superhuman best. So let's dive in. Welcome to another episode of Summon Your Superhuman. Today, I am actually coming to you from a chapel in the middle of nowhere, undisclosed location. Uh, (laughs) But I am speaking to, no kidding, a superhero who is located in Melbourne from England, because you're not going to hear the Aussie accent, so so be prepared. But his name is Jake Hero Fowler. Did I, say, did I say that right, Jake? You got it right. That's in the name right there. Look. Perfect, perfect. Welcome to the show. Thanks for being here today. Thanks, Rhea. It's a pleasure to um, return the favour. You know, I had yourself on my show mm-hmm. a little over a month ago, and that was a lot of fun. Hunger um, for the Hustle. If you haven't listened to it, guys, check it out. It was a great episode. Yeah, it was a fantastic episode. And, you know, it wasn't, it was, all, we knew this was going to happen the other way around, and it's nice to get it done. Super mm-hmm. quickly. Uh, the only thing that's changed in my world since is I've got a year older. And as you quite rightly said off camera before, I've got a new hairstyle. So yeah. things are all good. <laughs> oh, and, oh, and Melbourne's completely gone into meltdown. That's a little bit of a change, but yes. we'll, get to, we'll get to that later. Yes, yes, we shall. Mm. Well, happy birthday. Thank and you. You, you have to tell us. I mean, look, I've never, I haven't actually interviewed a, a quote hero before. So uh, please do tell us the story behind that little nickname you've got there. Well, it's funny that the, the, the premise of the story we'll get to in a minute, but I've used that as my kind of middle name. And it used to just be my last name actually on social media for probably over 10 years. Mm-hmm. And then you meet new people and they'll be like, oh, I thought that was just your name, like genuine second name or genuine middle name. I was like, no, who would actually have that as their as their genuine second name? Of course it's possible, you know, people mm-hmm. have, you meet people called Jesus, right? This stuff happens, <laughs> but <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's obviously it's not, it's it's a, just a fun word put in the middle there. But the origins of the story, it's it's a little bit underwhelming to be honest with you. It's like I was the guy who would after a huge night out with your friends when you're 17, 18, 19, be the guy who goes and gets all the stuff for breakfast, the bacon, the sausages, the eggs, the black pudding, the toast, and then cooks it all up um, and cooks everyone an absolute feast in the morning, which, of course, when you're that age, is all you really need to get going again and get back into the party. (laughs) And then it kind of just stuck from there and to towards modern day things. I've always, you know, I just like doing, I genuinely like with with kind of like even putting like altruism aside, I just genuinely like doing things to help others. Um, you know, I'm that kind of person. If I see someone broken down at the side of the road and it's safe to stop, I'll be like, I'll be getting in there and changing their tire for them, stuff mm-hmm. like that. And then, you know, it's um, it's an interesting one. Like the, the, actually, to be honest, really, this whole podcast was quite interesting to me when I was preparing for it. It's a superhuman podcast, you know, when you asked me to think of where we were going to go with that. Yeah. And it kind of reminded me of once when I had to write my own reference. I don't know if you've ever had to do that, but it's the most self-indulgent thing you'll like ever kind of do, writing your own reference or... Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I felt like it was kind of like that, mm-hmm. you know, and I felt like, you know, Hero's a, a fun middle name to give yourself. Um, it's not like a title I try and live up to, but I think I have done over the years. And 
certainly with what we're going to get into today with a charity that we started last year called mm-hmm. Mission Rainwater, mm-hmm. me and some other tradies. Um, it's a name I believe I have pretty much lived well up to. I love it. I love it. And that's so true. Like, you know, it, a superhero or a hero, an everyday hero doesn't necessarily walk around with their cape. You know, it's like Superman, like he walks around in normal day clothing and then when he needs to or when the, the time arises, you know, he, well, puts on his costume and out he goes. But he has a mission and he knows that he has these abilities and these superpowers to help people. So, mm-hmm. all right. So that brings us into, into your superpowers. So you've, you're, you're on a mission. You're a man on a mission. You want to help people. And, yeah. uh, and last year you did something pretty cool. So you tell us mm-hmm. about that. Yeah, it's. So last year, as you know, I mean, a lot of the, the Black Saturday bushfires, as they were called, they always attach, you know, something black and then the day that it typically was next to it. And that's kind of how it's how the fires are dubbed. You know, it's not a new thing in Australia, of course. It's something that has been going on for centuries, you know, since this land was ever colonised by the Indigenous peoples. And they actually used to use the fires each year and use fire themselves as a great tool to kind of reset the nature and reset the growth of things. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, with the way in which Australia has been populated um, in the past kind of 200, 250 years, I mean, and even massively and extremely that has accelerated in the past 50 to 70 years, fire is, is now the enemy, of course, and fire is dangerous to to lives of not just people, but of course, animals as well. And a lot of those animals are driven into smaller areas now, which means it's actually more of a problem for, for those animals. Um, so, yeah, Black Saturday. Bushfires, they hit. I was at home the last time I was back in the UK, actually. It was Christmas 2019. Had a wonderful time there with my family. And I could hear it. I was hearing about these bushfires on the news. Um, and it's a bit like the stuff that's going on with Melbourne at the moment, which, as I said, we'll get on to later. Mm. People always are like, oh, the, the fires are terrible. You know, they expect you to kind of have all the news and know it all, when yeah. really I'm not someone who really inhales that much news anyway, particularly on mainstream outlets. So I was like, yeah, and, and they kind of, these fires had kind of kicked off after I'd already headed to the UK. So I kind of went on the 20th and then by the 25th. And certainly I think the height of it, it was around the 31st and the 1st, which is when it got really bad in places like Malakuta and a lot of those images of the whole town kind of being pushed out to the, um, the edge of the town on the water and all the kind of images of the kangaroos dra- jumping out and into the mm. sea. Those are the ones that were really kind of, shown around the world and those people got rescued by boats off the shore that was an area that was smashed but I came back to Australia and flew back in and I knew it was um, just as bad because you know you're never really too sure what what the media says and what's actually playing out but when I came back into Melbourne it took us an hour and a half to land because the smoke was that bad coming over from East Gippsland the area where most of these fires were Mm. we had to circle for an hour and a half to be able to actually properly see the runway and safely land and I was like yeah, and you could smell it. You could physically, you know, you could smell it in the air as soon as you kind of came into it. And uh, I was like, yeah, this is actually really bad. You know, it's really bad and um, it's the worst. I'm not sure. I, I wouldn't be too sure. I think I believe since the King Lake fires, it was certainly the worst that had been seen for a long time. And, you know, they weren't just happening in East, in East Gippsland where I was, which is kind of five five to six hours, depending on where in the area you're going northeast of Melbourne. Um, they were happening everywhere. And I got off the plane and, you know, you, you could see it and smell it in the air. There was like a thick blanket of smoke in yeah. the air. And I was thinking, well, this is five or six hours away. 
this is you know this is something really really serious and I kind of you know I remember sitting in the taxi on the way back and you know catching up with everyone as you do um, now you're back in the right time zone and you know arranging stuff for people to catch up with people you've been away for a month you want to see your mates and um, then I got home and got settled down and but I, I just kind of I thought from that moment like what can I do to help here I know there's been there's been lives lost there's been a huge amount and that toll really was known until a later time the amount of animals that were lost i think it was way up there in the millions um, of animals lost and there were obviously some lives lost as well but the thing that was lost at a huge scale and really caused devastation <clears throat> obviously not taking anything away from the lives that were lost there and like you know thoughts and feelings still go out to people that lost people in those times but there was a lot of property loss there was a lot of property loss and it was devastating and yeah. a lot of people who maybe didn't lose their property, but out in rural areas, which all of these fires really were, where it had really taken hold, areas like Koryong and Kankoban, people's water supplies have been destroyed because often a lot of them have rainwater capture, which is mm-hmm. a rainwater tank which catches rain off the roof and then that fills the tank. And, you know, that's the water people use out in the country of Australia and have done for ages, and it's fine. Stick a filter on it. You can drink it. It doesn't taste great, but it's okay. Um, but those, a lot of those water supplies have been destroyed destroyed and you know i was getting it was you know social media is a blessing and a curse but it was great for finding out this information quickly and finding out what was happening and getting involved in a few groups and before i knew it i was uh about an hour in and i'd, I'd met a fella called Dwayne heath who i called up on the phone and he said yeah like we're out here we're, we're doing what we can um we've just essentially got here uh and we're just kind of trying to figure out what we can do and where we can help people and it was evident that a lot of water tanks needed replacing um i was up there within two days of that i think my my boss at the time was very kind to kind of let me use the vehicle and pay for all the fuel and i loaded my car up with like what did i load it up with like food no not food but clothing supplies and lots of petrol and diesel and all the kind of stuff that you generally need post-disaster you know there was a lot of like clothing and boots there because you know a lot of these people lost their homes and they would be wearing the same clothes for a week because they'd lost everything so yeah i loaded my van up and i was up there went to koryong and there's about six guys up there with Dwayne, and he was kind of heading it all up and it's a beautiful place actually a really nice part of australia that i'd never seen before and excuse me from there, we we just we were there for about a week that time and then went and came back, went and came back. And by then we kind of brought digger drivers in and we ended up rebuilding a whole shed actually for um, one gentleman who'd lost it all and lost all his family heirlooms and some beautiful cars and things. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, we kind of branded ourselves as Mission Rainwater and we got some huge support from Reese Plumbing, which is the biggest plumbers merchants in Australia and has been for many, many years. They they funded us with uh, tens and tens of thousands of dollars. And we were also donated water tanks from all around Australia. Um, and Gold FM got behind us as well with a campaign to give us some funding as well. And what how it actually played out, we actually installed over 100 rainwater tanks in the end. Could you believe it? Wow. They were donated free of charge. No one paid for anything on that front. And, um, yeah, I would say that that was quite a heroic thing to be involved in. Uh, Absolutely. You might even call it superhuman. Absolutely. That's wonderful. Mm. Like 100, over 100, that's amazing. 
Mm. Yeah. yeah, because the thing that people don't think about is, well, some people think about it, of course, but okay, you've got to rebuild. So what's the first thing you need? Well, yeah, you need food and sustenance, but you need water as well. You need water not only to drink, Mm. Um, that's what I took with me as well. I knew there was something else. I took loads and loads of bottled water, loads of spring mm. water. People need water to rebuild, you know, to make cement and um, just to uh, build at all. You know, it's something you really need. It's the first thing you need. So uh, we fitted camp showers. We rebuilt sheds. Um, I'm trying to think of the gentleman's name. I can't remember his name, but there was some, definitely some uh, some articles about them in the paper. And, you know, we were still in these areas whilst they were still burning. You know, we had the app on our phone, the, the SES app, like the emergency app, and it was like, warning, there's a fire, like 10, 15 k's from you. Um, and it was just, yeah, it was it was a very interesting situation to be in. We became very well connected with the local CFA as well. Um, and, you know, you don't do stuff like this to, you know, I was doing it genuinely because within my heart, I wanted to help others, you know, and, and I've always been that way, you know. I mean, it was nice to get some recognition, um, particularly from the Governor-General of Australia, which is kind of like the Queen's representative here in Australia, for anyone who doesn't know, um, and invited us to to a barbecue in, in another area that we helped in, which was Malakuta, which I mentioned earlier. We went there and installed a load of rainwater tanks as well. And actually, in the end, it kind of transformed into, well, this is all good and well, replacing these rainwater tanks but what can we what can we do because fires aren't going to stop right as i said at the beginning of um this interview they've been here for thousands of years and they're not going to stop and actually they're probably going to get worse with the way the global, global warming is going and you know people keep building and keep populating so they're going to keep affecting people so what can we do to try and develop a system that protects properties um and we actually came up with a system called the fire smart tank and we installed the first one in the world actually in Malakuta, which is a patented um, product um, and yeah we got some recognition for that and features all over kind of the news and stuff which was good fun always being in front of like a always fun being in front of the camera but when it's like a big camera on someone's shoulder it's always a lot more fun <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah and um, it was nice because you know like I say you don't do it for recognition but the thing that recognition brings is publicity and then a lot more people got on board with our campaign then and we got support from sony music um oh. john farnham yeah we got licenses track for a year to use um eddie rudd made a beautiful song um that was kind of in a tribute to the work that we've been involved in uh, there's some other people that i need to mention they'll come to me later but yeah we just got huge support for what we we're doing you know we were going in there and just doing it you know, we're just like, yeah, we're plumbers. We've got the skills. We've got the time. We can do this. We can be there, you know, way before, um, okay, the government kind of had people in there, but they were just clearing stuff up. They were just going in there with excavators and scraping stuff into piles and being like, yeah, okay, we've, we've kind of we've done our job. We've made the area safe and got rid of your rubble, which is good and well, but it took them a long, long time until way after we'd been there um, to actually, you know, get in there and start, giving people water supplies again that's brilliant and and it's it's exactly right like what you said you know you don't do it for recognition you came back from a family holiday and went there's a disaster going there's a disaster going on and what what can we do to do our part you know use your skill set 
uh, which is which we didn't even mention there that you do have that skill set in in plumbing and you said you were with a whole bunch of other tradesmen is that correct like that were, yeah. di were different trades or similar trades to you or uh the majority of them were plumbers yeah yeah well because obviously there was a lot of rainwaters and things that needed to be rebuilt so it was it, you know when people you know shout out to all the tradies out there especially the ones that are at home at the moment because we can't bloody work but anyway um <laughs> shout out to all the tradies you know they, they are they're legends and they're heroes in their own right you know um, without blowing my own trumpet here, though, plumbers are, you know, really integral to any of that because without proper sanitation and, and clean drinking water, you know, what is a building? You know, it's just a shell. It's just a shell that can provide you, of course, um, warmth and shelter with a good fire and stuff. But, you know, if you haven't got good sanitation and clean drinking water, you're going to end up in trouble pretty soon. Yeah. It's, it's pretty saddening when you think about how many places and civilizations actually still exist in the world that don't have, you know, mm. things that like running water and toilets and, and things that we take here for granted. So, um, yeah, I know, especially here as well, it was um, that the, the fires were quite devastating here in South Australia. Like I even had uh, one of my clients um, where she was in Kangaroo Island, you know, it was completely abolished and uh, they were actually underground, you know, whilst there was a fire above them and, you know, resurfaced with literally just her passport and a few bits of pieces on her body. And, um, you know, it's, it's devastating uh, on, mm. on, on so many different levels, but yeah. thank, thank goodness for people like right. you. I said, mm. thank goodness for people like you, you know, for, for us, I love how Aussies, you know, just have this, I don't know, ability to just get on with it and just, and just help out in every which way they can, whether it's, you know, a donation here or clothing, you know, we're always happy to, to do what we can to help, our fellow our fellow Aussies mateship right mateship yeah. it's 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 a huge thing in Australia I was remember reading a book um and it was kind of Australia the bio, biography of a nation and it really dialed into the, the whole mateship thing and why it was you know because it's a big big thing in Australia you know everyone everyone looks after um the fa uh, family of course but really the friends as well you know and so mateship's a huge thing here and I think it really when you look back at it in the way, in a way, in a, in a cool kind of way, it kind of connects in to what we've just been talking about fires and certainly heat, because, you know, when this colony, when this colony, when this country was colonised or colonies were brought over, people had to look out for each other, you know, when they were scratching around in the dirt and it was 40 degrees in, in the day and there really wasn't much shelter or water around, you know, people really had to look out and after each other. And like, as I say, there have always been fires, you know, Every summer, we kind of, um, they come and go. You know, the worst ones come kind of in 10-year bouts. So hopefully we don't see any as bad as we saw in 2020 for a considerable amount of time. Um, but, yeah, mateship's a big thing in Australia. And everyone's, um, it's always a big thing to help out and do what you can. And for me, it was also like it was, I felt like it was, I just got my permanent residency literally a few days before I came back into Australia. And that was momentous for me because it was, something that I'd been working towards for a long time and a big, big goal of mine, you know, to be able to be freely live in Australia and work for the rest of my life and to be able to come and go. Well, <laughs> that, one's, that, one's <laughs> kind of, that one's kind of gone for the minute. Yeah, you can't really, yeah. you can't really come and go at the moment. However, um, you can book flights and I've done that. So. Um, but that was a big thing I've been working towards for a long time. And it came in and I was like, fantastic, this is just brilliant. And it was, in a way, I felt like it was my way of paying 
the country, this country back for everything it's done for me in terms of, you know, this was the place where I came and I learned. I'd had many businesses before, but this was the one where I, I hit it right and did it well and I learned entrepreneurship and I learned business and I found my passions like speaking, like leading, you know, ultimately to this moment where we are right now speaking on this podcast and I came out with my own podcast and some other things that I'm working on. Um, you know, it was uh, probably the single best thing I ever did moving to Australia and I what felt like I, not like I owed, yeah, and actually that's fair to say, I did feel like I, I owed something for that, for that privilege. You know, I think you, you touched on it there earlier. There's an awful lot of places still in this world in 2021 that are, you know, third world places, you know, and they're, um, you know, they don't have correct sanitation and clean drinking water. And obviously I came from the UK, which has all that stuff, but um, Australia is a beautiful place and will always hold a special place in my heart. And um, to be able to come here and it dials into being a plumber as well. The fact that, I that's what really got me here you know I got me the sponsorship and got me to stay here um so yeah I've kind of expanded on that a lot but yeah that's that's another thing about why I did it I felt like I was paying back the country that had done so much for me that's awesome and the, and you, you touched a couple of, of, of different things there I mean you know I was I was on your podcast hunger for the hustle and, and it's all about entrepreneurship and business and things like that and you've done some pretty cool things in business you said you know you came to Australia and this is where you finally got it right what it so what is what unpack that for us what does that mean to you well because I'd you know I was like the guy who would sell sweets like uh, lollies we call them here but like chocolates and stuff on the playground at school you know I literally go and get them cash and carry at the weekend um and i get i get told off for it every week every day almost they take my stuff off me and it just be a continuous cycle that happened and my parents used to get angry about it at first and then they're like absolutely no he's hustling here just let, let him let him do it you're not going to stop him anyway so you might as well like embrace it <laughs> i think it was there yeah. but i remember i was speaking to my mom about it like now and again and she was like yeah we were, we were, i was angry with you at first but then i actually realized it was quite a smart thing that you're doing um and i've still got like detention slips for doing it which i want to frame <laughs> one day because i'm like that was that was that was like version 0.1 entrepreneur starting out and yeah. then from there it went to like well how old being, were you jake sorry how old were you when you're doing that you were on the playground yeah. so it was secondary school so i even did it in primary school but i didn't even like charge people i was just kind of <laughs> i didn't quite get the business right then i was just giving them giving them like it was like popularity suites uh, okay take these and we'll all be friends yeah um yeah, there's there's a story within that as well. But <laughs> I um, I would have been about 12, 13, something like that then. Yeah. Nice. When I was doing that. And it went from there to flipping stuff on eBay, mm. and went to club nights and events and parties and um, always, yeah, just always hustling and selling. And then when I – but always – then kind of when I was 16, I did my apprenticeship and, and in plumbing and always had plumbing as a background and a base. And I'm really glad I did because we'll get into it a little bit later, but things really changed and turned around this year. And uh, although I went full-time into entrepreneurship last year, there were some reasons that I actually wanted to get back into employment this year. Um, but yeah, I, I I'd had I had a company with my dad when I was 21 and we used to sell um, my dad used to be a private investigator, so he was always into this kind of like technology and equipment and stuff he could use to make the job easier, wow. better, and faster. 
And we had a company called AjureTech. I think you can still, if you Google it, there's still some traces of it around, certainly the logo is still around. And we used to supply the police and the military internationally with cameras and surveillance equipment. Now, let me tell you, that was an interesting thing to be doing at 21 years old whilst running yeah. parties every <laughs> weekend. And like essentially partying from like Thursday <laughs> to Saturday every week and then having this, this business at the same time as well. It's very interesting. Um, but that that didn't that didn't quite work out there. And a few reasons, like one of the reasons where we just, uh, me and my dad kind of became like loggerheads with it. You know, we, we kind of lost the, the father and son and it was just like business partners and it, didn't didn't quite um didn't quite work out and then from there yeah I would, have, I would have gone back into plumbing from there but always had always had something that i was doing on the side like hustling or nightclub events lost hours my party was called and like eager to get some of them back on the go actually i think next year is going to be the, like a reunion 10-year reunion for that awesome. um um and then I came to Australia and I knew that I was going to have to do plumbing. I knew that plumbing was going to have to be, it was going to be my ticket to be able to stay here, get my sponsorship, get my permanent residency, which is no easy feat here in Australia to come here and stay here. You know, you really have to have a skill that this country needs. And I think the system's good and fair. And I know they're making it harder all the time though. Um, but I think that's fair. You know, if you come here and you have a skill that this country needs and you're prepared to work hard, then you'll be rewarded with being able to stay here. And it's reciprocal, you know, it works for Australians in the UK as well. So I came here and got into, I didn't get into, I mean, I got into, I was like doing anything to the start, like sweeping factory floors and just doing general labouring for a couple of months. Nice. Then I found a good company to work for, Plumbing. And at this point, my, my dad had got into um, metal fabrication and stuff fabrication which is something he'd always done and he developed this product called the paddock blade you want to remember that word because it will be synonymous around the world eventually um paddock blades like a, a horse manure collector is basically what it is it's a horseshit picker upper pooper scooper <laughs> um yeah and it's just a device that's it's a metal tray about the size of a pallet and it saves people time and effort it's as simple as that by collecting up horse poo as they tow behind them around a field or a paddock and um he had this he had this product there and he's like why don't you give it a whirl there and you know i've always been tech savvy always been um capable in technology and very good at learning it really quickly and i love learning as well so i was like yeah i reckon i could do this and i found some manufacturers and you know the difference between me and my dad was he could make it himself whereas i couldn't like I, although i'm a tradesman and i'm a good plumber but i'm not still fabrication is a very different thing and i wasn't set yeah. up for it either and I, it was important to me. I knew as well that I was going to be working full-time plumbing. So I had to set up, I don't like to use the word like um, passive, like, because I don't believe any income is passive. At some time, it takes you a shitload of work. I hope I could turn on this podcast because I've already sworn a couple of no, times. You're all good. Um, <laughs> you're all right. It's all good. <laughs> um, it takes a shitload of work at some point. There's no such thing as passive income. Yeah. At some mm-hmm. point, it takes you some time to set it up and a mm-hmm. whole lot of blood sweat sweats blood sweat and tears along the way to get it to get it booming as they say get it pumping um but that's what I, you know i did i set up this business so it's contract manufactured advertised just online no actual office no actual staff i didn't have any any staff for at least three years i had a couple of people that i used to help me out with stuff but i, I learned the e-commerce business and this is what i mean when i say i got it right like i learned how to be the difference in the marketplace there was already products out there that we've far superseded now um in terms of how many we sell and, and how many people really love the product 
Um, and I got it right in other ways. It was what I was like, because before I just throw myself into projects and I didn't really, I hadn't really worked on my mindset as much. So like having an awareness of what the customer really needs. I think when you get that right in business, like, because you are just a service, a person selling a product or service, you're selling it to a customer and their needs are way more important than yours at the end of the day in terms of business. And you have to figure out what they need. You know, where do you find that out? Well, the answers are there in social media. They're generally in the comments. You put content out at scale. You listen to what the market says in the comments and then you adjust your business to suit those needs. I think that really does work. And that's what I did essentially. You know, I put the product out as... a a concept sort of thing and I put it out to loads and loads and loads of Facebook groups and and other places and I got really people like this is great when can we get it we need it um where is it you know and I was like well let's let's take some pre-orders you know and I literally started the business off the back of one sale um and I was like oh you're gonna have to wait like six weeks because we're so flat out making them have to tell a little bit of a white lie there and from that made two and then from the next order made three and it just kind of spooled on from there but i got it right because i got the marketing right i addressed the customer's needs and i kept all paddle blades are made in the country of origin so if you buy one in the uk or stretch that out to ireland scotland wales it's made in the uk if you buy one in australia it's made in australia you know it supports australian jobs it uses australian steel and it always will do you know as the company expands globally it will always do that it's one of its core values and people love that particularly in australia people love australian made yeah. It's a thing that's it's blown up as well on the back of um, what's happened in, in these times in the past 12 to 18 months that import and export has become unstable and unreliable or at least very lengthily. So people have moved back towards um, Australian-made goods. And, yeah. you know, within kind of three, four years of really grinding at it um, in its fourth year, it really took off. It really took off last year. Um, and, you know, it's it's still climbing. Um, so, yeah, I think that's why I, I got it right. That's awesome. And, and that's super important. I mean, there are just so many things there that, you know, you have every right to be proud about. You know, one, it's like you, you've taken this idea that your father had, you, you found a way to make it happen within your means because obviously, you, you know, within your skill set and getting it made in Australia is a big thing. I mean, that's wonderful to be able to, you know, to be a, be an Australian company and develop in Australia for distribution in Australia. And you are serving customer needs. <laughs> uh, you're, you're serving to your customers' needs. Like you actually went to market first before you, you, you produced. So you found yeah. out like, hey, what do you guys think? Yep. Is this going to serve you? And people were like, yes. And you were able to deliver. Like, no wonder it's been successful. Yeah. I mean, you've got to, this is the thing, guys. Like, if you're watching this and you want to get into selling a product and you want to get into um, as simple as that, selling a product or service, you can put that product out as the idea, as the concept before it's ever actually even been made. You know, and like spoiler alert that's what we do with paddock blade now we're like okay well let's tease it let's put it out there let's get one made and get it photographed make sure the photographs are good make sure the ripe's good and let's put it out to the marketplace and see what the feels we get back are you know once you know how to push a product out and get that get that feedback you you'll get you're not going to get a whole scope for its possibleness to be 
um, how effective it's going to be or the demand it's going to be in the marketplace, but you'll definitely get some kind of idea. And I think that's why, you know, you can, as they say, bootstrap, you know, business these days, start it with very little, start it with your own skills. Uh, I actually, I must say, like, I probably, I probably got something wrong there earlier in this interview when I said I didn't use anyone or have any staff. I know I didn't have any staff and didn't have anyone on the books or wages. At the start, like my friends helped me, particularly my friend Nathan, shout out to Nathan McDukes, um, legend, huge guy in tech and actually has taught me a lot about crypto and NFTs lately, um, whole other topic. But he helped me um, get the first videos done and get the first videos together. And of course, video is so important in advertising. Um, getting your product out but yeah like and, and then the thing was like getting e-commerce right you know we use Shopify and I could my dad was great at making stuff but not too and actually he's good at selling stuff as well but um sorry dad not as good as me but like I um I, I then kind of copied you know cookie cutted what I'd done here and then applied that to the business in the UK because my dad was selling but he was just selling literally through word of mouth on Facebook and he was like yeah we've got PayPal or it'd be like bank deposit. It was like there was no cards being taken. There was no buy now, pay later mm. services. Um, so yeah, you know, you can. That's the great thing about a business as well. Once you've got it right once, then you can transform that. Typically, if it's into, you can transfer them skills and you can just make it work around the world. That's awesome. And congratulations to you and your dad for a successful and you know beneficial business. Now that you're helping many people. Thank you. Thank you. And, um, you know, it got to the point last year that uh, I made the decision that it, it was the revenue was there to give me the freedom to be able to do it full time. Right. And just go like, which is something I'd worked and dreamed towards for a long time. Like full time entrepreneurship is going to be fantastic and amazing and brilliant. And it was for a bit like it was it was probably amazing for like, let me be really honest here and say it was really good for maybe like three months um four months maybe and then i was like as we were and it's a lot to do with lockdowns going in and out of them damn i got so far without saying anything any kind of like official connected word to to these times then but um now i said it like in and out of lockdowns it was like <laughs> entrepreneurships look if you're watching this and you're thinking oh i want to get into entrepreneurship because i'm going to earn shit loads of money and it's going to be really great and i'm going to have all my own time and freedom let me tell you it does not quite pan out like that because you need to work even harder when you work for yourself than someone else and you're not going to have as much time and look i'm not saying it's not going to happen you might strike it lucky you know you can have overnight success but it's usually like overnight success with a five-year story um and it's also pretty lonely it's also actually pretty lonely entrepreneurship is you know unless you surround yourself with a network of people that do the same stuff you're essentially kind of doing your own thing all the time, which in times like this, when, um, which I kind of can't believe we're still in the ministry, but we are, um, you know, work is starting and stopping. And I just decided, I was like, you know, I need some, I need some solid routine. This is actually the first time I've ever talked about this on a podcast. I need some like solid routine here. Um, and so you're getting an exclusive rate. Like I need more structure and routine. I think there's a lot that can be said for that. I think when you lose that mm. structure and routine, for me, it kind of almost like no structure, no routine equals bad habits. Whereas if mm. it's like structure, routine, good habits, you know, and then you can build momentum with that. So, yeah. So I went back to like, what do I do now? Well, usually I do like 
three, four days a week plumbing, and then two, three days a week on my own business. Um, the key is as well is finding the right people to help you. You know, you get to a point where you can't do it all by yourself and yeah. you need some people to assist you. Um, and the only way to find them is by hiring them and giving them the chance and then by firing them pretty quickly if they're not right for the for the role. Yeah, absolutely. I think I've that's you've you busted. Oh, sorry, go on. No, you go. I was actually just going to say, I'm just feeling super buzzed today and like super um, full of energy. So, um, like, I'm just very aware that I've done a lot of the talking. Um, so. <laughs> that's great. <laughs> that's the difference. See, you're not used to it, Jake, because you're on the other side now, right? When you're <clears throat> when you're the interviewer, it's like you ask a question and then you you basically sit back and let the other person speak. So, you know, that's why this is this is yeah. your superhero story. That's why you're doing all the talking. Yeah. And I'm glad you've been super buzzed for it. You've you've, yeah. dropped, you've dropped a lot of, you know, like I like to call golden nuggets today. And, you know, and that's the audience, right? So it's like everyone that listens to this are people that want to, you know, they're ambitious, they're career driven, they're, you know, entrepreneurs, they want to be successful in this life in whatever shape or form. And, it's it's true it's exactly what you said you know it can be isolating and and you wanted that taste of structure and that routine and it's it's important it's it's important for your own sanity in a lot of ways and you know and 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 thank you for sharing that You, you know you said that you hadn't shared that on anyone else's show before and you know and and that myth that that people say oh I can do this by myself I don't need no one but every successful person has had helpers, has had people and support around them. You know, even in my early beginnings, even just as a a coach or or a remedial therapist or whatever you want to say, it's like the majority of my business has come from word of mouth and reputation. Hmm. And so I, I couldn't have just, you know, set up shop, you know, put a little open sign on the outside and be like, I'm here you know, like people need to know about you. And because I didn't market myself very well at the beginning. So I, I did, you know, thank, thank goodness had a, had a good reputation. I always tried to deliver and do the right thing. And, and then people come and then you, your business grows and, and sort of that's how things develop. That's it. Yeah. If you build it, they will come as I say, but you know, you learn what to do right by doing, like you learn what to do right once by doing it wrong 10 times. Mm-hmm. you know or even more you know you've just said that like at the moment at the start you don't market yourself well but and you're marking yourself badly but what you're also doing if you're smart some people don't like you're learning from it along the way you know like you're making like mental notes or even you're actually making notes along the way this work that didn't and that always changes you know like the way you like I'm thinking back to when I first started doing events and business and you could advertise then on social media and it was free and everyone just like lapped it up. Whereas that totally chat that lens totally changed when they started doing like you got to pay, you got to pay to be put in front of people now. And that's one thing I really got right last year. And last year was a great year to do that because so many more people were online. Yeah. You know, and um the trend did somewhat continue this year, but advertising and that's the change as well. Advertising got a lot more expensive online. So the way in which you have to approach it is always changing as well. You know, now I have an agency that helps me with the ads. At the start, there's no way I could afford that. Um, but even with an agency, don't put your faith completely in them. You know, I give ideas to my agency. They're the best in Australia. And they're like, oh, we didn't kind of think of that. I'm like, well, let's give it a try. If it doesn't work, maybe we'll try something else. But you've got to be you've got to be dynamic and you've got to understand that the 
of pulse of your business is in the comments in the comments to the content that you post and it can be positive and it can be negative but it doesn't matter and don't delete it leave it there for the world to see just make sure you're better next time mm. but like the next time you come around with something you know like i've uploaded content that people haven't liked for one reason or another a lot of our content is horse related content a lot of people see it as like oh that's that's like people see it as a lens of you know you've always got like uh like judy in in central australia who doesn't like your content and thinks it's like mean and it's and it's cruel and it's like actually it's not like this is you know this is your opinion and your view of it and you know 10 people might think that but then 100 people don't so it's it's important to show a whole picture of 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 your content and of what people think of your content that you put out that's related to your products and business and that's not as well you know because it's about posting fun stuff that people like to I, I put a big emphasis on posting stuff that's going to bring a little bit of light to people's day make them smile make them feel good um people dial into that and that's i think that that is part of your personality that comes out in the business i'd say yeah that's a good point isn't it yeah Yeah. (laughs) but that's that's what makes you know your business uniquely you like i mean even though you know it's not named after you per se it doesn't have to be but like you bring your essence to to the business and Mm. um that's that's the beautiful part about it one business i forgot about actually which because i kind of canned it for a bit but i'll be back yeah um hero adventure products which does have my name in it and it's like because i love to travel when we can um and i've started a business selling travel products like a a scratch map of the world i've still got like hundreds of them in a garage somewhere and i will bring it back um yeah so just thought i'd slide that in when you said it wasn't named after you i'm sure there are so (laughs) many other businesses you've done as well and like i I, you know i I chuckled as you were talking about your humble beginnings because like i i was quite similar actually in the sense that i i started off on ebay as well (laughs) having an internet and and you know a computer and I was like 12, 13 years old selling stuff on eBay. <laughs> How easy was it to make cash on eBay in like 2006, yeah. 7, 8? You, you, could, you can't, can't really do it now because people are too wise to it, but you could literally go and buy stuff from a shop and then just put it on eBay yep. and mark it up. <laughs> it was mental. Yeah. You know, but then like I'll be, I'll be straight, I'll give full, I'll give full um, disclosure. And I've talked about this on podcasts before. I went, I like, I'd, I'd sell sweets on the playground and then i did like the whole club night thing and then i was i'd sell like illegal stuff as well like i'll, I'll let the audience try and figure the rest out but there's like a part <laughs> of time where there was like stuff being sold that wasn't good and wasn't legal mm-hmm. and it was like bad and it was like but it's the hustler thing you know you see a lot of that tra- it's very transferable that kind of that kind of hustle to the to the like if you can transfer your skills to like the business hustle and working like you know, 15, 16, 20 hours. I pulled a, I pulled an all-nighter this week where I think I, I didn't go to bed till six the next morning just because I got stuck into some business. And I'm like, but the, it's like people say, you know, my sister's an artist and she said to me once, she was doing a piece and I, and I said to her, like, how long did that take you? And she like, Do you know, I couldn't really tell you. I just worked, like, it was over a period of two days. And it's because, it like, when you're doing what you love, mm. time just passes by and you don't notice it all because yeah. you're so enthralled with what you're doing um so exactly right essentially your passion right once you find your passion you feel like you've never you'll never work again yes true true and that's the biggest thing for for business owners or successful entrepreneurs or or anyone in service where you're delivering a need you're solving a problem 
And, you know, like my, my humble beginnings were sort of similar, like in the sense that I would find things that you weren't easily available here. Like I'd find stuff from the US, you know, I was very big on basketball. So I'd find like things that weren't easily found here in Australia. I'd import them. And then that's what I was selling. I'd never actually told this now I'm telling this publicly, but that's sort of where I started because I was all about basketball, big, big nerd on that. And then like, um, cause I was a DJ as well. So it was like, um, yeah. illegally downloading music and like burning mixes and music concerning CDs and all that sort of stuff too. So, um, because you could back then, you know, Oh, oh look at that. He's oh, just hey, holding up a, a CD mixer. Yeah. My, my best mate, yeah, my best mate Carl has been kind enough to lend me this, and I've been cool. getting my track list together because before I did promoting, obviously I had decks and I was into like you know DJ, but I'm just picking something I'm picking back up. Yeah, and then him are going to like in this lockdown, we're like, right, we're going to come out of it. I'm going to polish up on my skills, and we're going to be good enough that we can put a mix out together. Oh, nice. Uh, we're going to call it Operation Goodie Buddy. So guys, look out for that. <laughs> <laughs> I've got people keep trying to pull me out of retirement with the DJing, you know, I've taken a bit of a sabbatical from that, but they're all like, can you come play here? And I'm like, no, I don't do that. I go to bed early now. (laughs) You should should do like, you should find like a daytime party where it's a basketball comp and you do Mm. DJ as well and combine the two. True. true, On basketball, didn't um, Australia win gold at basketball in the Olympics? No, I don't don't think we did. I think the US won. US, oh, US. Yeah, US always. I imagine that, we I? did pretty oh, well. I, I we, we did like well. We didn't like subscribers. come dead last or anything like that, but like <laughs> <Got to laughs> but we certainly final. didn't get gold. No, we got to the final, but didn't yeah. Okay. Shouldn't have said that. I probably just like lost all my Australian fans. Nah. <laughs> all good. All good. All blessed. Yeah. Hey, I have um I've actually got uh one of my shows at six. Ooh. So, all uh, right. Well, um, before you run. Yeah. What does summoning your superhuman mean to you? Summoning my superhuman means to me, well, it goes back to my values and what I align with, which is helping others. You know? um, how do you summon that? Well, for me, I don't really summon it. It's just something that I feel. Compassion and empathy, it's, it's who I am. It's what I am. You know, I'm a Virgo. It's the traits of a Virgo. It's very empathic. Um so it's it's something that's kind of always within me. Sometimes it's dormant, and sometimes I do it, it actually at the expense of myself. Like I go to the point of helping others at, at the lesser, um, you know, kind of benefit of myself. So I think you have to watch that. But yeah, yeah, that answers the question. It 100% does. I love that. It's a very, we haven't had a response like that before. So I, I love that. And it's it's honest and real and it's within you. And, and summoning it, sometimes people don't quite have that confidence or, or understanding of how to, but you, you certainly do. You're in tune with your superpowers. And I, I look forward to staying um, aligned with your journey. And I, I really feel like you and I are going to stay in touch because we, sure. we just seem to manage to just chat for like time flies so, so quickly. <laughs> but uh, I will let you go. And I want to thank you so much for, for sharing your words of wisdom with us today. And uh, thank you so much. I'll put all of Jake's uh, details in the show notes. And please make sure you follow this guy. He's uh, He truly is an everyday hero. Thank you so much, Jake. Ria, thanks so much for having the time to have me on the show. I really appreciate it. It's great to be here. It's great to kind of flip the script on this. Um, it's great to be a guest on someone else's show as well. So thanks so much for your time. 
It's been a great connecting with you again. We'll definitely stay in touch. Hey, and enjoy the um, chapel as well. <laughs> well, I, I I need to explore where I am. I literally just arrived here and, and here I am. So I'm going to go explore exactly where the hell I am right now. <laughs> jump on jump on that motorbike that was hearing in the background. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm going to strangle some people. Like we're trying to make it noisy. But anyway, <laughs> we'll, we'll leave it true. there. Thank you so much. That's real. Well, I think we managed to cover a whole array of different superhuman strategies for success in this episode. And I want to thank Jake for his not only his generosity of time, but for his generosity of sharing his experiences with us. I don't think that he really left anything not to be told. And for him to have the nickname Hero, even though it started from something uh, seemingly (laughs) uh, innocent and playful amongst friends, but I, I definitely think that it's transcended into where he is now as as a grown man and a successful man who loves nothing more than giving back to others and just continually progressing towards his goals. I think it's a, it's a fantastic achievement, what he's achieved so far and where he wants to go. And we can all take a leaf from that book. So, yeah, it was a great interview and it was fun to do it <laughs> uh, on the road uh, in a in a location I just arrived at uh, and literally finished the interview and jumped on the back of a quad bike <laughs> then just cruised in and towards the sunset in the middle of a massive paddock so it was absolutely stunning it was a great way to finish the interview i was inspired and i hope you are too so without further ado please make sure you subscribe if you don't already please leave a review if you get a chance just take a moment i truly appreciate hearing all the feedback that i get about the episodes and until next time superhuman Strengthen your mind, body, and soul muscles, and stay amazing. <laughs>